0: Honestly, this is the biggest myth and I think this is the biggest deterrent for small businesses to get into TV because they always think that you need 100,000 to 200,000 to make a commercial. Yeah, it's like, way less than that. You you really don't. Yeah. And like they always think like you need this like really polished thing because it's going to be on this big bigger screen than yeah. your phone. But honestly, all ty- types of content works.
1: All right. This is episode 8. Samoa's last week or 2 weeks ago, I was at Forward by Tatari which is their, almost like their iPhone event every year that they put on. Basically, they talk about the State of the Union in TV, TV advertising. They bring brands. They bring agencies. They bring the product team from Tatari. Wow. They brought Robert Herjavec, who I got to hang out with. The guy from Shark Tank? Yeah, That's the nice guy cool. from Shark Tank. Yeah. I will continue to stand by him as the nice guy after <laughs> meeting him. Earlier that day, too, I hosted a lunch that Tatari paid for, and we had a bunch of brands that were also running TV. Anyways, I figured there's a lot of brands that run TV either in a big way or a small way, and I thought we should just bring Tatarion, we should bring Juhi from Fabletics, who's one of the panelists there, and we should just talk about TV, because I think there's a lot of questions about, like, I had, last week on Friday night, I just, I spent an hour writing down a bunch of questions I had on TV, and uh, I figured if I don't know the answer to these, there's probably a lot of people who don't know the answers, So I figured we could just go through those today.
2: Yeah, I do think that TV advertising is probably the biggest black box there is in direct-to-consumer advertising, where people are like, you know, even if you tell me out of home, I can probably give you a guess of like what CPMs look like. Television, I've got no idea. I don't understand the differences between things like, you know, OT or Remnant. And so I'm excited to go through all of that. Awesome.
1: Well, uh, with us today, we've got Juhi and Austin. Do You guys want to give yourselves a quick intro?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I'm Juhi Picali, VP of Performance Marketing at Fabletics. Fabletics is the largest digitally native activewear brand in the world. And we just surpassed about $700 million in revenue globally. We have uh, two, over 2 million active uh, VIP members online and uh, in-store. And we have over 95 stores now in North America.
2: Wow. With, when you say seven hundred million in revenue, do you mean this year, or like in the last twelve months, or do you mean like uh, forever?
0: I think that was uh, last year.
3: Okay. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. My name is Austin Santino. I work at Tatari. Uh, we're a technology company. Our platform is really built for the modern TV marketer, and so we work mostly with brands, but as well as with agencies, uh, they're able to come in and both measure, track TV. As well as buy and plan in a very digital like manner. Yeah, for what it's worth, we used Tatari when we were running ads at Native. Did you know the Tatari founder also started
2: Shazam? I did know that only because you told me that. (laughs)
1: That's so badass. That is pretty crazy. That that in my head added so much legitimacy to the brand. Shazam? Because Shazam was acquired by Apple. Shazam was not only acquired by Apple, but like it is natively integrated into. Snapchat, the iPhone. Yeah. like yeah, yeah. It's, it's also insane. like the first Facebook app. I'm
2: sorry, the first Apple app that anyone can ever think of. Like, yeah, That was the first app that we, we were that, all like, wow, app. the iPhone is amazing because you can now identify songs that you hear. Yeah, That did, is pretty amazing. Did he ever
3: tell you like why he started Tatari? No. So he was president of a company called True Car, and oh, uh, yeah. they were growing he decided to launch a TV test and I think he had to give the agency he worked with like a $3 million budget. Wow. It some time ago. And uh, he just said like after a few weeks, he could just tell it was going horribly wrong. Like all of his <laughs> worst fears kind of came true. Yeah. And so a true car being an automotive pricing company, like there are a lot of data science resources, right? So he actually sent a few of those people to go figure out how to measure TV and once they did that, it, it worked phenomenally. And he said, like, this could work for a lot of marketers if, if they could figure out how to measure it correctly. Wow. And so then, like, coming out of that as they're starting Tatari and they, they learned more about measurement and they kind of figured out that buying was, was just as bad. And wow. so that, that quickly became, it, yeah. yeah, it was initially just going to be a measurement platform.
2: Damn. Wow, Truecar is amazing. I used Truecar to buy uh, my parents a Honda Odyssey a while ago. Uh, It's amazing. The flagship (laughs) (laughs) brown people car. (laughs) Moise, you want to take the first question? I think why test TV is a great question. But before we get into that, when does TV testing make sense for brands?
0: I think when you initially launch as a brand new brand, it makes sense to just exhaust the meta and Googles initially.
1: And how much spend is that? In your experience, like how much to the point of diminishing returns where you feel like you've exhausted the channel?
0: It's two things, right? So, in terms of spend, you probably want to get over 100,000, 200,000 at least, like just testing under your belt with meta and stuff and figure that out first. But also, the second piece is you could be exhausting your CACs, and that's when you know you're hitting diminishing returns in channels. Uh, So, that's when it's good to sort of explore others
2: too. I think two bars. So it should be six figures in uh, ad spend on Facebook. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My guess would have been it's even like, you know, mid six figures. It would probably is like four to five hundred thousand dollars a month. You under you've got product market fit. You're not exploring anything with your product anymore or not much. And you're not you know, you have a good understanding of what like the messaging should look like when you're running an ad. And what's resonating with consumers and who your consumer is. Like, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't go to TV and you're like, let's figure out if men or women buy this product. It's sort of like you should know uh, who your customer is.
0: Yeah. TV is more for like amplifying your brand message. Yeah. Once you have product market fit for sure.
1: Okay. Um, When did you start spending? Uh, We started spending on TV after we were spending a million a month on Facebook. For Ed Hint? Yeah. Yeah. We were also over a million a month on Facebook (laughs) and probably. 2 million
2: a month generally yeah. on marketing before we got into TV. yeah. So it was, you know, it was a high, high barrier. How did you but choose th- your first TV like angle or creative? I think that barrier may have come down a little bit just because yeah. so many brands have done this where I don't know if it still requires a million a month in marketing spend Agreed. in other channels to start getting to TV. For us, we tested a few angles. I still remember going to the shoot and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Have you gone to TV shoots? Yeah, Like, I was one of the actors, like, there was one, one of the uh, spots was, uh, you know, the founder talking to the television, and the others were uh, actors and actresses. And uh, the actors and actresses were given their lines, when they showed up in the morning, and within four seconds, they had memorized their lines. Meanwhile, I was spending, you know, the the entire morning remembering my 10 (laughs) seconds in lines, like, oh, God, I messed it up still. (laughs) And then, you know, it came to shoot and everyone's looking at you and these people are, and like, you know, the other ones have actors and actresses, mine was just me. And it felt like it was 100,000 degrees. I was sweating like there's no tomorrow. And I'm like, this <laughs> like is not a smell. good, <laughs> this is not a good ad for a deodorant business if yeah. I'm sweating this much. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it took a bunch of takes. It actually went right, uh, really well. And the one that I did be, ended up becoming the best creative that we had oh, for some time. But it was an uh, insane experience. And I, I learned so much from that experience. It was really, really fun. But
0: well, you know, I do want to go back to one, the point you were making about a million on Facebook. The barrier to entry on TV now is significantly lower than what it used to be. So in terms of like budgets and things yeah. to test, you know, yeah. before before it was like just, you have to be in the upfronts and that's a ridiculous commitment. You can't get out of it.
1: Can you, can you explain so, what that is? Yeah,
0: what are upfronts? So the upfronts is, um, it's an event that happens around May in New York City. And uh, that's when the, all the major networks come forward with uh, their upcoming slate of programming it's for advertisers to see and uh, then advertisers can basically book guaranteed inven- inventory on there. So um, they're getting basically first dibs on being on these networks initially. But you're pretty much locked in with those buys. So it's usually the Fortune 500s and stuff that goes go for those.
2: And how big of a buy will they do? Like, let's say you went to the upfront, uh, you know, maybe Fabletics could do that today. How big of a buy is an upfront? Is it 10,000? Is it 50,000? Is
3: it 100,000? Is, is it a million? I'd say most brands that are participating in the upfronts are spending well over 10 million a year. Okay. Uh, in some cases, it could make sense if, if you're someone that really wants a piece of inventory. Yeah. Right. And you know, it works and, and you're willing to pay for it. But most are spending well over 10 million. And gotcha. in terms of the ceiling, you know,
2: you could add a few zeros. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Okay. And so then uh, if you're not buying upfronts, you said, Hey, look, the barriers come down a ton. Okay. So upfronts are basically commitments you make in Q3 of a year for new shows that channels are going to launch. And you're like, I want to advertise when you launch the new season of succession. Well, succession is a bad example. Law and order. Like or yeah, yeah, sure. So what what are the other types of inventory then? Like, how is it cheaper?
0: First of all, there's a big shift that's happened. Linear is still big, but- What's linear? Linear TV is like basically cable TV.
2: So no ABC, no NBC, just cable. Cable and
3: broadcast Broadcast, is how you can think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, what is not linear then? Yeah, let's explain the other types too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the other type is streaming, essentially. Hulu. Hulu, Netflix, everything, right? Like anything that you watch uh, via Roku device or anything like that. So linear still makes up about fifty percent of all impressions, so it's still a big share. But streaming has now also become fifty percent.
2: That's shocking that streaming is so yeah, it's huge. Because like Netflix has just turned on ads, Prime Video still doesn't have ads, Hulu does, but not for all customers. So like when you say fifty, like streaming is fifty percent, I would say of
3: that fifty percent, probably the vast majority has no ads. Is that correct or not correct? So that's the shift that is happening. Um, I, I believe most streaming is ad supported okay what's interesting too is is when you look at some of these streaming platforms think of like a sling yeah or like i use youtube tv yeah right so. when you watch youtube tv you're really just watching linear tv yes right and then there's a small sliver that you could consider connected tv inventory but it's kind of this revolving door right where the lines get a little bit blurry between yeah what that is, is a great difference. sometimes
2: you're watching youtube tv and they're like uh here's a moment of zen there's no yeah, yeah. And I'm Like. This is amazing. Thank you, yeah, Google, yeah. for sponsoring
1: this moment of Zen for me. Is, is that because the programming is coming from linear TV, but the ads are coming from other, like,
3: uh, not the linear inventory? So most of the ads actually are coming from the linear inventory. Okay. When you watch something like that. But then like why is YouTube there that TV. gap? That gap will be YouTube TV maybe held on to a piece of inventory that didn't get sold. Got it. Yeah. Got it. They'll hold wow. a sliver for, for their platform. Got it. Wow. And so it's connected TV the same as... You know, streaming is that what you refer to? As I would consider them both. Like, so streaming you kind of consider an umbrella, right? You have what we call like over the top or OTT. This is like your Hulu, where just it's it's piped in. Essentially, they call it over the top. It's like over the over the top of a cable box, right? So it's piped in in your Wi-Fi. That's why it's called over. You the can top. watch uh, Hulu on your laptop, on your phone, yeah. or on a connected TV device. CTV will more refer to like targeting a Roku device. So and when there's that a device different? plugged in. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm sorry. Wait, how is that different? Because, you know, Hulu is coming over the top through, you know, my Roku device or through my Chromecast. How is connected TV different
1: from that?
3: Connected TV more so refers to the device because you can target by the device as an advertiser. Got, it, got mm. it.
1: Yeah, And that'll take higher priority of the inventory versus
3: what would come in through Hulu's Hulu's programming. I'm actually not 100% sure how the dynamics would work there. Yeah, yeah. M- most inventory is sold directly, mm-hmm. as p- and so that's going to be from you know the content providers, the publishers, yeah. directly to brands or, or agencies. Wow, et cetera. So,
1: so then with Tatari, so even going back to the upfronts, does Tatari go to upfronts and say we're going to buy out all of this, and then you become a market, you buy it at you know two dollar CPM. You guys are on it through your platform. You'll flip it for a $3 CPM, but you're allowed brands to buy it in smaller batches. We
3: will go through the upfronts for specific clients, right? So we will, if Fabletics wants to, to we we should do, do the upfronts. Now. Yeah, we should go. We should do that. We should buy that $10 million. Because that sounds like great business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got your card on you? <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll go negotiate on behalf of advertisers. What we're not doing, like similar to a holding company, is we're not going out purchasing inventory mm-hmm. and then marking it up. And then... Mm-hmm the way we approach it is we want to be unbiased, right? So we're only going to buy things that work. We're going to measure every piece of inventory the same way. And then that's how we'll recommend pieces of inventory to our clients. or that's how they'll come to the decision to maybe buy it through our platform in-house. So if I come to the Tatari platform today, is that inventory
1: that you're dynamically buying, like the second that I say I want to buy it, or you've already reserved
3: it previously? So it works a few different ways, right? When, when most new brands come, to tatari like when fabletics first joined us we don't want to go into the upfront or book out a quarter of inventory yeah because we don't know what's what works right so we're not going to ask for x amount of dollars so typically what we'll do is we'll bid dynamically like in a weekly cadence right so we'll learn about fabletics audience uh, we'll sort of correlate with where those people should be watching across connected tv linear tv and then we'll test and as we start to understand the outcomes that's what we'll start to sort of begin optimizing right if you can measure it you can optimize it so it is open inventory we're bidding against other advertisers Uh and that's why it becomes important to have you know essentially the technology to make informed decisions it's really uh far more sophisticated than
1: i
2: thought it would be like you know i would have just assumed here's a hulu show here are all the commercials for that hulu show but what you're saying is hey you can bid on the roku device and be like hey maybe during a hulu show you can insert your commercial in some of those devices, but not all of them. Is that right? Am I thinking about that correctly?
0: There's multiple ways you can do it. Yeah. And that d- changes the CPMs. So if you go broader, yeah. like just like, cheaper. you know, of course, cheaper. Um, but if you go more targeted, it's going gonna, it's gonna to increase.
2: For Fabletics, are you guys going broad or targeted?
0: We mostly go broad.
2: Okay. Um, but we- and are you d- mostly doing linear or are you mostly doing OTT?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So um, for a long time initially, we used to be in the upfronts, like years ago. And then we switched more to a heavier streaming uh, spend. And then after we started testing with Tatari, which is about two and a half years ago, we have now since been at about a 70-30 split. So 70% cable and broadcast and 30% streaming. We're trying to Mm. get to 60-40 just because streaming is growing and also like the big five, Netflix, Disney now have ads. So pretty excited about getting into that.
2: And so the 70% that's linear TV, that's cable television and broadcast Mm -hmm. television You have like targeting in terms of show, but you don't have targeting in terms of device where you're like, I want the, you know, only women who are watching this. You're sort of just like, hey, this is real housewives. So I think it's mostly women. Is that correct? And me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the only lever we really use. Like on Hulu or something, we'll just do like run of sight female only or run of sight male for the men's line. The only time we've done like show targeting stuff is like Yellowstone marathons or like holiday specials during Christmas. Yeah. Things like that or like sporting events.
2: So with linear TV, you're not going to shows and being like, I I want the commercial during this content. You're sort of saying, no, I'm going to take remnant inventory. Is that correct? That is
0: correct. And that's the benefit of like being with Tatari. Like we don't need to do those 10 million buys anymore. You can actually get in at as low as 20K a week, which is a huge difference.
1: What's considered remnant is it just that it's not purchased at upfronts or
3: is it that this is a spot running tomorrow and uh, I can buy it today? It's a good question. So the, the best in it, it, it actually, has, it's almost like a dirty word in advertising yeah.
1: when you hear. Cause Rem- I feel like it's always just been uh, like, as far as I know what remnant is, it's just unbought inventory. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not sure how far in advance that is. So
3: you have the upfronts, right? That's sort of, that's where most of your premium advertisers are, are pushing a lot of their budgets. And then after that is going to come something called like non-preemptible. Mm-hmm. This is where it's guaranteed inventory, but instead of booking out a super extended period of time, you're booking out for maybe a quarter or a month, right? You know exactly where that inventory is going to run. And then the sliver that's left is called remnant. And so this is inventory that publishers need to offload every week, right? And so as a result, it almost becomes, you know, this, this bidding process between brands, agencies, et cetera. And it allows you to kind of game the system and and get programs like as she was saying at at much lower rates.
2: And is that generally cheaper? So I would imagine like let's say I'm watching. I'm gonna use Law and Order because I don't know any other uh, TV shows. So let's say I'm watching. Oh, there's Law and Order. Someone has booked the upfront in Q3, which is sort of now. You know, 50% of the upfront was sold. 25% of the I think you called it guaranteed placement uh, a month ago was sold. Uh, or like, let's let's say the Law & Order episodes in March, in February, the 25% is old. There's 25% that's remnant during that show. Is that how it works? And then you're sort of bidding on it the week or a couple days beforehand through Tatari? Typically the week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah. then is the 25% you're bidding on way cheaper than the upfront? Here's really what I'm asking. There's two, th- like you know, when you when you go to an airline and there's an unsold seat on an air uh, airplane last minute, they charge a lot more for it rather than a lot less. And you're like, I don't think this makes sense. I think you really want to fill that seat up. I thought it'd be cheaper, and they're like, No, it's
3: more expensive. Yeah, here I would imagine it's cheaper. Is that correct? So the vast majority of the time, it is cheaper. Okay. There are certain instances where maybe demand creeps up yeah. as it gets closer to the show airing, yeah. and so maybe it would have been better to book in advance. Yeah. We'll recommend that in certain cases, but. Okay. Most of our brands are very digitally native, like Fabletics. Yeah. They don't want to be optimizing media yeah. once a month, once a quarter. Sure. Right. And then, you know, we were talking about buy ins and we were talking about, okay, upfronts, so you need $10
2: million. Tell me a little bit about the lowest spender with Tatari in
3: terms of how much they spend on TV ads per week and then probably what the median is. What I can say is that we have brands that that will now come in and i can't give you the name of the brand there's a brand that started you know earlier this year and i think it's just under 10k per week within a few months they had scaled that up to uh well over 50k per week so that would sort of be the lower the easiest way to get started i'd say is is always just retargeting right for a small brand who's just looking to maybe test creative uh retargeting I, i think the benefit of doing it on tv is right you're someone just saw you on digital, but then they see they see on the TV screen, you appear much bigger, Yeah, sure. right? So it's an impactful impression. And so that has to be done through streaming, right? That can't be done.
2: Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, that's okay. correct. Because you're piping it in and sort of going to the connected device and saying, hey, this person just saw Native uh, online. We know that their Roku device is like, this is their
3: Roku device. Go show them the ad on Native when they're watching Shark Tank. Sure, yeah. And so uh, and, and in terms of, you know, what most brands typically start out with. We were kind of talking about when brands are ready earlier. Yeah. I'd say most brands typically test somewhere around like the hundred K threshold. You know, it could be below that, it could be above that over four weeks. Okay. So there's been about a hundred K
2: a month on T V ads.
3: Yes. Okay. Yeah. As as they start and then, you know, they'll they'll scale and grow off the backs of that.
2: Uh, let me ask one other question, which is, what is the, uh, and I wonder if you guys know this and, may, you know, no no worries if you don't, what is the average cost of production of a TV ad? I've seen TV ads that look like they cost $4 to produce, like it looks like a Blair Witch <laughs> project. And I'm like, <laughs> even then it feels like someone is walking around with $3 in their pocket. Um, and then it looks, I've seen other ads where I'm like, you know, I, I think I saw the guys at Raycon produce an ad. My friend Roman showed me one. You know Roman, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. He showed me one. I was like, You got this insane gymnast, like, you know, doing all these acrobatic tricks. This must have cost a fortune. He's like, We hired some random guy off the street in New York and we got this warehouse space, like, you know, the day beforehand. And the guy was like, We don't have any use for it tomorrow. And so they did it for a really reasonable price and made this amazing video. I'll tell you my experience at Native as well. We were a part of P&G when we started running TV ads. So we needed to work with unionized uh, Screen Actors Guild uh, Association or Screen Actors Guild, the unions uh, like actors. And so as a result, we had to pay the actors and actresses every time the ad aired. What? We have to pay them a residual. That's insane. So they were making money every time. We, so every time I saw the ad, I was upset. Yeah. <laughs> so <I> was like, <laughs> that just cost me more money. Yeah. You know, but actually I wasn't because it's generally me and I was like, I like this. Yeah. Uh, but like, so tell me a little bit about how, how much it costs to make an ad. And then you guys don't work with SAG actors, I would imagine. Wait, you didn't negotiate
1: your own check in that? No, I told them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a mix, but honestly, this is the biggest myth. And I think this is the biggest deterrent for small businesses to get into TV, because they always think that you need hundred thousand, two hundred thousand to make a commercial. You know, I yeah, it's like way less than that. You you really don't. And yeah. like they always think like you need this like really polished thing because it's going to be on this big bigger screen than yeah. your phone. But honestly, all ty- types of content works. Like for Fabletics, you know, we do have our big productions because we have Kevin Hart. <clears throat> so um, anytime any celebrity content made, yes, it's a bigger production. And that works. But we've also tested a multitude of other types of concepts, too, that don't cost a fortune, you know, like we've made stuff for 20 to 50 K range that's performed. We've also taken like influencer stuff and, you know, added really crisp motion graphics to it and stuff. Just that's just pure editing. Yeah. And that's performed as well. You know, so like I think you really just need to test and try different things because all sorts of things perform.
2: I think one of the hard parts about like, you know, when you're running Facebook ads, generally the cost, especially if it's a static image, the cost is virtually zero, you know? So you're just like, I can run a hundred of these, one can win, and I've spent a thousand dollars and I've got one winner. So that the economics work out really easily or can work out really easily. How many commercials do you shoot where you're like, okay, here's the one that we scale? Like, you know, is it one out of every 10 creative scale? Is it one out of every five? Is it one out of every three because you've dialed it in so well? Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So when we actually initially did our pilot with Tatari, we actually tested 15 different creatives. Wow. And, yeah, we That's did. Um, and we just had a big bank, you know, from like years of creating and stuff and its fashion. So um, we want to try all this. Like, we want to try the celebrity stuff we had. We wanted to try some of the product uh, feature t- styles, uh, And we also want to try some of the influencer stuff, you know. And then that basically gave us uh, a good indication as to what works, which we were able to carry forward. Um, but the good thing with TV is, like with Facebook and TikTok, actually we see creative fatigue happening pretty quickly. Here, if you find a winning concept, it could actually work for years.
1: Yeah. There's, uh, you know, that guy we talked about, AJ Kubani? Yes. He's got that brand yes. Lizard Flare. And that one TV commercial that they run, which is how I got got a, became aware of him because I went down the whole funnel uh, has been running for like three years, and it still says you know this offer only lasts twelve hours <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i've heard the same from uh the moon pod guys they say like they'll find one commercial and and same with direct mail if you find good direct mail and good TV, you can run it for years yeah I have two brands that I've worked with where we produce their TV commercial with the same editing team that makes their facebook ads and It had virtually no cost, you know, other than that, well, for one, we just took existing shoot content. So the photo and video shoot that they already did, we just took that, added overlays, added a voiceover and threw it up on TV and it started working well. Uh, The second one, we hired an influencer mom who is basically just a a YouTuber mom and uh, it costed us five grand to produce the whole thing and edit it and ship it. And it always baffles me, like, why do people not do this more? Because you could literally produce a creative for less than 10 grand and test it. But, like, at Hint, I think our first shoot was 100 grand. There was this whole production completely on. I, I had hair and makeup, and I was in the commercial <laughs> for four seconds. Yeah. You know, like, why is that notion true? And also, do you see other brands doing that? Like, are more brands starting to just rip a commercial from their ed- in house editor
3: and just throw it live? You know, there's a few different ways to look at it. The reality is most brands probably have content on hand that would work on TV. If they're running it on TikTok, maybe if they've tested YouTube a little bit, right? That can be reformatted and um, you can learn a lot about TV by just running that. I think as sort of your campaign grows, right? The biggest part of it is it gives you a chance to tell your story. And understandably, a lot of marketers can be very conscious of the story they want to tell. Right, so like a, a dramatic example would be, a brand may start out with TikTok or similar content when they first launch, but if they scale into like the Super Bowl, that's probably not the message that they sure. w- would want to run, right? And like when you're
2: running the content, you said, you mentioned you had Kevin Hart, and uh, then you had some influencer content, and you had some content that focused on like product benefits. Do you find that like celebrities make a big difference, like? Let's say Kevin Hart was free and I can't imagine he is one uh, Nick and I once went to, um, I think it was, oh, uh, I, I went to a, uh, you know, I saw and Ansari do stand up and he's like, Kevin Hart makes money every time you flush a toilet when he's uh, doing a stand up comedy. He's like, he monetizes everything, but let's say he was free. Would content with Kevin Hart perform better than content that's like talking about product feature? Like, generally, do people listen to celebrities and stop more because they recognize a face or is that not the case?
0: Not necessarily. So even with a celebrity, it's really important to pair the right concept for them. Yeah. You know, so um, because I remember even at the forward panel, I think there was another brand that was talking about this where they did a concept with a celebrity and actually didn't work at all because it didn't match their personality and their message at all. We've definitely had some hits with Kevin, so that's yeah. been great. But like there's been some product benefit ads that have spent a lot more on yeah. that over time. And that's like one of those things that lasts over years, you know? So like I wouldn't say that that's absolutely Needed. necessary, yeah. but it definitely helps with like a halo effect. Instead. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's the halo effect of TV? So if TV starts doing well and you're scaling up budgets, one, how are you measuring if it's doing well? Like how do you decide, you know, this is doing well? you know, cause there's no direct click or anything. And then second, what's, what's the effect of that? Like do your acquisition costs on Facebook get lowered? Does your Google search go higher? Do you get more foot traffic in stores?
0: I think the biggest effect <clears throat> that you will see right away is an increase in direct traffic and an increase in brand searches. That's like the immediate first indicator. We also have, we have a quiz, a style quiz that people take when they come to our website and there's a mandatory question on there. How do you hear about yeah. us? which is usually post-purchase with other people, but for us, it's happening at the lead flow. So we're able to see, uh, you know, how many people are selecting TV on there. Um, So we can, yeah, that's kind of how we
1: measure. Got it. And then, uh, like, do you use Northbeam, Triple Whale, any of those platforms?
0: We do not. We have our own internal attribution, but we also use Nataris when they're able to give us, like, a time-based spike analysis. So basically on linear TV, you know exactly what time the spot airs, so, they're able to see within five minutes of that how much is increased on, on sessions on your website.
1: Got it. Um,
2: okay. Yeah. I would love to talk about measurement in a second. J- I just take one, one more second about uh, targeting. When you're doing targeting, primarily the targeting is, hey, this is the show that it's going to be on, right? Like when you guys are buying remnant inventory, it, it, let me ask, let me take one more step back. Is most
3: of your purchases on behalf of clients remnant inventory? So really depends on the client. A client that is spending, let's say, 50, 60 million a year, they're probably going to wait more on other inventory types, right? It's especially for brands who are newer starting out, we want the agility and we don't want to be beholden to something in in advance, right? Until we know it works. Okay. So for newer brands, primarily remnants. Yes. yeah. other brands, you also, okay, gotcha. Yeah. And then in in terms of targeting, there's so many different ways to think about targeting on TV. And I, I think it's actually what a lot of new to TV advertisers almost get wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, They come from digital and they have this great idea of their customer. And so they'll come to TV and they'll want to target guys who live in Charlotte, North Carolina, who are recording a podcast in New York right now. Right. And it's like a very small group of people and um, it kind of restricts their ability to scale. And then sort of the the trade-off always is the more targeting you deploy, the more expensive. Things get yeah right. So you want to leverage targeting, but you also want to realize that it's a, it's a new channel. It behaves differently, and you might find a cheaper outcome by going a little bit more broad. Sort of as Juhi was saying.
2: So how? Let me ask a couple examples. Like one is um, you can obviously target by show when you're purchasing remnant inventory. So yeah, I want to do Law and Order or The Real Housewives. Can you target by geography? So for instance. Does Law & Order Chicago or Law & Order uh, playing in New York City have different ads than Law & Order in Los Angeles such that I can be like, I want to target people. You know, let's say I'm like, hey, look, I'm uh, launching into Target, but only targets on the Eastern Seaboard for some reason mm-hmm. because I'm a blue, like a new Blue Apron competitor and I just haven't gotten
3: to the West Coast yet. So I only want to target East Coast. Can I do that with television? It's very easy to do on streaming. Yeah. Um, it becomes very expensive. Gotcha. On linear. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Is it expensive on streaming or it's like pretty reasonable? It's, it's,
2: it's more reasonable. Okay. Gotcha. But it sounds like the way you're saying it, I'm like, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is really tough. I mean, it's probably a rare problem for brands because like, you know, you're sort of everywhere, but for instance, if you're um, let's say you're in target, right? There's 1800 targets, still a lot of locations without targets. So you're like, I don't know if I want to advertise to all of Wyoming when the only people who are going to buy my product inside Target where I'm trying to drive traffic to are in Cheyenne. Uh, and so I was always wondering if you could get a little bit more narrow there, but it sounds like broader is probably a little bit better just because getting narrow makes it so much more expensive.
3: It dep- depends. The br- some brands, like you said, they're not available maybe in all 50 states, et yeah. cetera. And so in, in those cases, you usually recommend me be leaning a little bit more into things like connected TV. Okay, gotcha.
2: Um, and I would imagine from a measurement perspective, everyone does a lot of their own, like, you know, Nick was talking about Northbeam and Triple Whale. You guys have your own platform for measurement.
3: Tell us a little bit about how that works. We're actually one of the only platforms that will give you next day measurement for TV, whether it's connected or linear, right? So if you, you were to run a native spot on Bravo this evening, you'd be able to come into our platform and see, okay, how many sales did it drive? How many people saw it, right? The way the measurement works is it's, you can almost think of it similar to the way digital does, right? It's, it's a closed loop. And so essentially we get an IP from the publisher and then through our pixel that we place in a brand's website, we can tie that back to a site visit, a down funnel event, you know, an email sign up, a first purchase, returning purchase, et cetera.
2: I'm sorry. So is the way that you're measuring, like, let's say something uh, shows on Law & Order. I watch it on Law & Order. There's no IP address
3: from that, right? Like I'm sort of just watch something sitting in my living room and I pull out my phone. Sure. So like you're saying you're watching on like cable yeah. or something yeah, like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that will operate a little bit more differently. It's Juhi was saying, we'll, we'll pixel your website. We'll filter out sort of all tag traffic. So we're not really looking at any paid marketing. We're just looking Meaning at- like to, Facebook, Google. Yes. Yeah. yeah typically, mostly looking at like direct traffic, branded Perfect. search, right? And then what we'll do is we'll sort of update what we call this dynamic baseline every minute of the day. So we'll know exactly the precise amount of traffic in your website, when that spot runs, that's sort of the, I think what a lot of brands like about linear TV is everybody's watching at the same time yeah. for the most part, right? So you see this nice spike and then we'll follow those people that arrive to figure out, you know, they come back and click a purchase, et cetera. I got a couple questions. So one is around
1: targeting and creative. So you mentioned like Kevin Hart, for example, is the reason to use Kevin Hart on TV is that because, you know, you're targeting on linear, you don't have a ton of control on who is seeing it in terms of interests and demographics, but having him earns you somebody's trust to watch the rest of the commercial? Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, I mean, TV, definitely, I would say bigger screen, higher impact, uh, stronger on the brand awareness side of things. So if you want to make that big impact uh, with people uh, with the brand awareness side, I think it makes it makes sense um, to have Kevin. Up on the big screen, you know, um, and also because the CPMS are pretty low, the reach and frequency is pretty broad. So actually, reaching a lot of people for pretty cheap. Um, so we definitely want to get that brand message out there on TV.
1: Okay, so you know, anytime people talk about top of funnel, they're like TV is always mentioned in there. Like on Facebook, you could run a video views campaign. You could take that audience, retarget them with a link clicks. Take that audience, retarget them with conversions. How do you do that through TV? Or like, how do you think about that with Fabletics?
0: So, with the linear side of things, there's obviously, like, you can't cookie them, but you can cookie side visitors in general. So, they'll just be bucketed there. But it's getting a pretty broad reach. And then on the streaming side, you can make these audiences that you can market
1: mm-hmm. target. Got it. And then another question that came to mind. So, you, uh, I have a friend who's on a Bravo show, Summer House. If he were to run an ad for his brand that is, you know, he has that Loverboy cocktail that's all over the show. If you were to run an ad, have you ever seen that where a brand runs an ad in a timeframe where they're being product placed? Have you seen any results there?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, it's not exactly the same, but one example I can think of, right, would be like one of our clients, Takova's Cowboy Boots. So like biggest show on TV right now is, is probably Paramount's Yellowstone, right? Yeah. And uh, Takova's being a cowboy boot, it, it seems like a pretty fair yeah, product market fit, right? And so there's actually been instances where after they essentially proved out the value or the ROI with Yellowstone, they were able to get characters from the show, even in their creative. Oh, wow. Right, as, as part of a broader. What does that do from,
1: uh, like if they were just running anywhere as a baseline, how does that respond
3: differently? Definitely. Well, I mean, people sort of, think of them as the Yellowstone cowboy boot. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So people watch Yellowstone. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wow. Do you watch Yellowstone?
1: No, I've been meaning to watch it. I've heard it's like Succession of the Wild West.
2: (laughs) Succession of the Wild West. Or
1: Billions of the Wild West. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, but I haven't watched it yet. Have you watched it? It's great, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Check it
0: out. Um, Integrations is really, really interesting, though. Like More and more people are now starting to... like. DTC, the guys are now trying to tap into it because like you've just seen on the larger scale, I mean, what Barbie did, <laughs> what yeah. Air did and all that stuff. I mean, DTC brands don't have the budgets to do a Barbie, for example, but um, you could sponsor an episode of the Kardashians on Hulu or you could yeah. you know, pick another show or something. Uh, I think it's also a little more authentic if you're actually in the show mm. versus just advertising. So um, I'm I'm really excited about that new frontier, personally.
2: I always thought SK two should have been in Crazy Rich Asians. Do you know you know Crazy Rich Asians? Yeah. You know what SK two is? It's no. like this beauty brand for made uh, by uh, with this amazing Japanese ingredient. It's a PNG brand. It sells for you know it sells for one hundred eighty dollars a bottle. Wow. And I was like, you got like Crazy Rich Asians. Is the perfect <laughs> yes. solid. Yeah. You know, That's the targeting. Products. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I'm a genius. <laughs> uh, let me ask one more uh, question about measurement, which is uh, first, when you're looking at CPA, uh, let me ask you actually uh, two questions. Do you spend more on social or more on television at Fabletics today? Social. Okay. And when you're looking at CPAs, just from a pure pixel acquisition perspective, without any multipliers or anything, what do CPAs look like when you're looking at television versus social?
0: So I would say like matters, you know, over time really perfected the conversion rate Um, so I, it's, I would say it's still better on social and Google, but because the CPMs are so low on TV, even though the conversion rate's lower, it, it backs out.
2: Okay. What are CPMs on TV? Like what, what's, what can I expect? Give a, give us a, so yeah, we can come in with $10,000 a week. Um, we can produce an ad for, let's say a thousand dollars. So really the barrier to entry is, I want to say $50,000. You need to be able to spend $50,000 when you want to experiment with television do you think that's
3: fair or crazy well like as i said there's some brands have tested even lower yeah. right okay, it's cool. really going to be dependent on the advertiser okay. like at atari we don't really have minimums yeah. but we do make like recommendations yeah right so brand a might if they're spending a million dollars on paid a month yeah. they're going to need to spend a little bit more on than brand b who maybe spends 200k yeah to feel an impact yes. right so yeah, it's, it's a little bit more prescriptive yeah, yeah. um
2: and then w- tell me about CPM. So like, you know, on Facebook recently, um, I've been seeing on Twitter, a lot of people have been like, my Facebook CPM is crazy high. Uh, like, you know, generally it sits between 10 and $20, maybe a little bit higher if you're looking at lookalike audiences. In the last couple of weeks, I've seen a lot of people who are like, I've a $136 CPM on Facebook. Something is wrong with Pixel. Have you seen that on Twitter? Yeah. What That's is going ridiculous. on there? You're, you're not seeing that at Fabletics. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've seen that, right? I have no I I've co- seen it, but I'm like, what kind of shady
1: shit are you doing that you're being penalized?
2: Yeah, it's yeah. people who I think aren't necessarily doing sh- like, you know, I'm like, cuz like to get a $400 CPM on Facebook seems that's insane. virtually
1: impossible. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like I don't know, you know, you'd have to target two people, which Facebook doesn't let you do and have really offensive uh language. I'm not sure how they're doing that. Uh what is a CPM I can expect on TV? I mean, it must vary wildly because, like, I imagine the Super Bowl is way more than sure. Law & Order. <laughs> but, like, you know, is Yellowstone way more than Law & Order? Or, like, are they kind of in the same ballpark?
3: So For connected TV, if you're buying direct, which is how we typically recommend brand approach their their streaming, as opposed to purely programmatic, could be anywhere from 6 to $15. And then on linear TV, it's crazy. We'll have brands that spend a million dollars a week at like a $4, $5 CPM. Okay.
2: Okay. So streaming or connected is more expensive than linear when it comes, because there's more targeting involved. Is that right? Is that why? Generally, yeah. Okay. And then you said programmatic versus purchasing some other way. Direct. Direct. And what is the difference between those two?
3: I mean, virtually all digital marketing is is transacted programmatically, right? Because there's this, um, it's very decentralized. And so you need this infrastructure to essentially place your ads, right? With connected TV, there's a lot of centralization. There's probably 15 publishers that have all of the supply of impressions that Fabletics may want. And so we see greater success when you just integrate or book directly with a publisher as opposed to introducing more intermediaries in most cases.
2: And when you book directly with a publisher, are you able to say, great, I want to be... On law and order versus like programmatic where you're like, I'll take anything that's under $5 CPM. Is that the
3: difference? So the difference would be maybe programmatic. You're buying a little bit more audience based. Okay. Right. So maybe I want to target men 18 to 24 and it'll run wherever they are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Whereas Hulu, I say I want to target men 18 to 24, but it's just on Hulu. Okay. Got it. Okay. I have two questions.
1: One is uh, Juhi, did you see that you could spend more on Facebook when you started running TV?
0: Yeah, we definitely saw a halo effect on all digital. Yes.
1: So you're just able, like your point of diminishing returns, basically got pushed out. Yeah. Okay. And then second question was on Facebook, if you're running performance campaigns, you know you're probably around a two percent or one to one to three percent click-through rate. Mm-hmm. How does that vary from to TV? So like, uh, you send your ad out for Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. What percentage of people are coming to the site?
0: I don't know the exact percent off the top of my head, but I would say it's it's pretty comparable when you have a top performing network
1: and what are the other things you do? because, like a lot of times I'll see a commercial for something. I don't go to their site right away. So now I do because I know there's some nerd on the other side who's looking at Google Analytics because that's me sometimes. but um, like, how else do you measure to understand if somebody found out about the brand through t v
0: Atari's attribution, I mean, I think. Most of it is in that five minute window of the spot airing, but some of it, it's called a drag factor, which you will probably explain better, but it takes into account some additional conversions that might happen later as well. Got it. And then on the streaming side, it's IP match. So that just happens, right? Um, Right. And then from our perspective, we have the how did you hear about us TV, the question in our quiz. Uh, So we're able to look at that as well, which has been pretty accurate, honestly.
1: Got it.
2: Is it more expensive to buy uh, – this is a dumb TV commercial question – is it more expensive to buy the first commercial right after a TV show stops? So, like, let's say – I'm going to go back to Law & Order. You're watching Law & Order. The first commercial, is that more expensive than the second commercial? Because
3: people are more likely to be watching you may You may, be like, pay more to yeah, – uh, in some cases, to be in an area in which you want, right? So, think about the final ad break before, like – a game winning field goal sure. or, yeah, yeah. or the yeah. kickoff right there's there's certain times that are and, and you can pay a premium yeah. yeah oh that's interesting uh
2: that like you know they're like In this is a game winning field goal the tvs the ads will be more expensive during this that's why they're calling timeouts I, right before those fields obviously <laughs> <if> we're not <laughs> controlling the outcome of the game yeah, yeah, of but
3: course. yeah it'll yeah, it'll, it'll yeah you bad. can you can sort of make recommendations on when about yeah you'd, you'd like to run that's so interesting
0: i think most people don't know this but like on linear tv you can buy 30 second slots, you can buy 60 seconds, and you can buy 15s. Yeah. And most people don't know. You can actually get the 15 slots at 50% off from the 30 half the price. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, like if you want to get into TV, like you could also just test the 15s if you're yeah. worried about the budget.
2: Yeah. Do, are you running mostly 15s, 30s, or 60s?
0: We do a mix. Most of the inventory sits in 30 seconds and 15s. So okay. mo- mostly play in those. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times we end up scaling 15s because it's half the price.
2: That's interesting.
1: With most ads, I feel like there's uh you have to have a really good hook, because otherwise people just keep scrolling. But with TV, somebody's probably just sitting there, and your competition is probably somebody pulling their phone out. How important, like what, what How do you think about the creative or the storyboard of that 15 seconds to try to maximize it the most?
0: Yeah, it's it's a great question. I mean, uh, we usually tend to start with the 30s because you're getting most of the brand message out there. And then once we get a read on it and we want to optimize it down, like say it's like just a little bit over our goal or something, we'll introduce the 15 because then you're getting that CPM cut and you already know that the messaging works. In the 15, usually you basically want to have the, like, the gist of the ad uh, and you want to make sure your call to action and offer isn't there.
1: And on Facebook, for example, like the best practices, you show the product in the first few seconds, you sort of address the problem. I was on a, on my flight to LA, there was this uh, brand, I think Free Fly Apparel or Fish Fly, something like that. Uh, they work with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Free so Fly. I I I saw their ad and they didn't have a single logo until the last like five seconds pop up. And I messaged them and I was like, why, why do you guys do this? Uh, but does that not matter in TV? Like you don't have to be so upfront and startling
3: people by it it's something you can test for right and so maybe they it was a scenario where they tested having a logo and not having a logo they didn't see a demonstrable difference and so they said okay i want to make it feel a little bit higher quality hmm. right or, or a little bit more upper funnel um some of the things that that just tend to work best is like a soft call to action yeah it's right? so think think like learn more as opposed to buy now right but less salesy and then simplicity like one of the things that always works, I was not surprised when you said the founder spot, right? Yeah. Because it's very simple. It's direct eye contact, someone looking at the camera, maybe explaining the founder story of the problem solution. Yeah. And
1: did they, did they respond to you, by the way? You message them and you're like, why don't you have the uh, logo? Yeah, well, I tried adding like eight people on LinkedIn and one of their <laughs> consultants responded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you mentioned top of funnel, right? Or like more awareness. What are the other things that... You know, if I were to try to maximize TV as best as I could, like, for example, when uh, like even now, right, Tatari sponsoring our podcast, I don't believe the leads come directly from the podcast. I think it's like we're the top of funnel. And then you've got the outbound sales machine that's working. You've got the events that are working. And within that, like limited supply is this added layer of trust that helps push the sale across with TV, I feel like it's very similar. It's like, it's not going to directly drive, you're not going to you know, run a Hexclad commercial and see, well, Hexclad you might, but you're not going to run a commercial <laughs> and see direct sales right away. What are the other pieces of that mix that need to be established and running to
3: maximize the
1: TV campaign?
3: Well, in many cases, you will see like a direct spike in sales, right? I think what a lot of marketers also need to understand is is if you're a digital marketer and you're used to something like maybe a last click attribution, TV is non-clickable, right. right? So it's not going to look good. I honest. try, nothing yeah. happens. <laughs> right. So I, I think that's an important thing to know. And then also just making sure that your conversion path is really set up for all the new trust prospecting traffic you're going to drive, right? It's very easy to navigate your site. It's easy to, to find the product they're looking for, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I guess the conversion path, too, is also fascinating. Have you ever been to Lumideo.com? It's their TV URL compared to LumiDeodorant.com. We had a TV URL, too. And it's the same page, which I thought was also interesting, but it's basically this endless scrolling landing page that speaks to, like, my mom. Have you seen, like, different,
3: you know, like, what what type of pages work well for TV? In most cases, we just recommend brands send people to the homepage, right? So a lot of people will try like a Slash TV. Yeah. Reality is most people are not going to remember the Slash TV. TV. Yeah. That's why I think the
2: unique URL is such a good
3: idea because then you're like Lumi Dio or like Lumi Yeah, get on
1: tatari.com.
2: They're
3: going to Google the product and maybe they'll click the first search link that comes up or they're just going to go straight to the URL, Yeah. right?
0: Yeah, I actually agree with this. Uh, the, The things I've personally seen as most effective is... One, the homepage, or like even putting a promo code in it, that has worked as well.
1: Interesting.
2: But you still are like, hey, go to Fabletics.com and use promo code Nick Sharma to save 50%. Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
0: We, you know, it's been interesting too. Like now, um, connected TV, some connected TV providers are offering an ad unit where you can put a QR code on it. Yeah. I personally have not seen a lot of people use the QR code. Yeah.
1: yeah. I can't imagine anybody does. I don't yeah. know why. I- because if People your phone is within yeah. reach, you're on it. Yeah, exactly. If, via watching the commercial.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting. We did an A/B test once where we put one, and then on the other one we didn't. Even though they didn't use it, I don't know where it was like psychological or something. It ended up working. Wow. With it on there
1: with statistical significance. The uh, QR yeah, code was better. Even wow. Though, wow. They didn't scan. That's
2: interesting. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is yeah.
1: surprising. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been. I mean, I feel like I learned a couple new things here. I learned a ton of new stuff. Like, I'm not even sure I knew that the difference between
2: streaming and linear was. They shouldn't call it linear. Linear is like too yeah. they and I feel
1: like, old school. TV. I feel like at Ford, Philippe said they're all being combined, right?
3: Yeah. So a lot of people think CTV like connected TV. Yeah. We really think of it as like convergent TV, right? That's what it was. It's convergent yeah. TV. Yeah.
1: And is that a new way you guys
3: are going to look at it through the platform lens as well? Absolutely. I mean... As I said, like the way people absorb content, it's changing, but a lot of the content's similar, right? So you could watch CNN via your cable box or through CNN Go, their streaming platform, or you could go on your laptop or mobile device and and click a live stream, right? It's all the same content. And I think the best TV marketers have figured out a way to test and sort of scale across all this. Yeah.
1: I, I don't remember if it was you that said this example, but somebody said, you know, like if my daughter wants to watch Aladdin, she doesn't care if it's on Disney Plus or on Disney Channel or on YouTube, but she just wants to watch Aladdin. Yeah. It's similar.
3: It's like, you know, when you go home, watch TV after Yeah, that makes
2: a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Like <laughs>
3: yeah. 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 You don't say like, hey, honey, do you want to watch linear streaming? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Well, cool. thanks so much. I uh, really appreciate you guys joining. I, I, I've learned
2: a ton about how to run TV, but also how TV works and like uh, where price points make
1: sense, too. Yeah. So thanks for coming on.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much for And for Arbans. flying out. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> thanks
1: for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one.